Jay right in your face. Welcome back to the Fadeaway Podcast, episode number 16. We are brought to you by Ball is Life Podcasts, and we are here on a fresh, like 20 degree, I think, ish Monday. 12. 12? I think it's Fair 12. Enough. It the feels kids like are out playing. It feels the like birds 20. Is chirping. It feels like 20. You get excited when you see sunshine. You see the warm kids weather. is outside. Uh, it's it, it, we have had a good weather for the last week, maybe last hey, two weeks. Knock on wood, man. Knock on wood. Um, knock on wood. Knock on wood. It's still spring. The rain is probably going to come in a bit. Um, but when you see sunshine, the days are getting longer. You get happier. Um, it's been a good, yeah, good two playoff weeks. basketball is just around the corner. March Madness is coming to an end tonight. Yes. Um, let's uh, let's give a quick shout out yeah, to uh, a huge. friend of the show, a former guest of the show, mm-hmm. uh, assistant coach Brittany Anderson of the Stanford Women's Basketball Congratulations. Program. Congratulations! Congratulations on the national championship, ladies. They are the number one, and it's kind of fitting that we had the conversation about like. I remember vividly asking her, hey, how does it feel like to go to a program where Coach Tara, mm-hmm. where every year they're in the Final Four, and then yeah. this year they get back to the Final Four, end up winning it in two one-point games, man. That's wild. It was, it was in two that, one that point finals games. game was a nail-biter. Shout out to also Alyssa Jerome, Canadian player. Toronto's on, very own. Toronto's very own on Stanford. Um, and, you know, Canadian presence in both the women's and men's uh, college basketball has been huge. I think all Final Four, uh, Final Four teams on the women's side had a Canadian player on the team. Um, so, you know, this is kind Crazy. of Crazy. Like, this is prime There's Canada also a Canadian basketball. in the finals for the men's game. Exactly, exactly. So it's prime Canada basketball right now. Like the talent coming out of, you know, the, 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 the youth and the college level is going to be amazing. So um, that's something to, to look out for. But what a nail-biter that finals was. It, it literally came down to the, to the la- very, very, very last play. And you and I kind of saw something on that last play that could have uh, changed. changed Stanford's fate. Yeah, it, it was it, it was a bit of a tough tough play. You and I kind of, we, we went back and forth on it to see where the mistake was, who the mistake was on. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if you agree with me. I, it had to be on the ball handler for Arizona, uh, Ari McDonald. It just seemed like she wanted that shot too much. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, she was getting double teamed, and then the help actually came over on the Stanford side, and she was getting triple teamed at one point, and she had the corner wing open. She had a player open there. Um, that cut was a bit too late to the basket, as you said, but it, the the shot she ended up taking in the end was like it just seemed like she wanted to take that shot. She wanted turn to around, win the game. Turn it on three over three people. Yeah, it, it was a tough and, shot. And look, we're not on the court, so we don't know what it looked yeah, like absolutely. if she saw that yeah. pass, but. Yeah. From the bird's eye view, man, my, I, I remember thinking, I'm like, ah, if she gets my, that pass, it's over. My excuse for her when I, I told you was that she probably did not see that corner player. And even if that corner player cut on time, she wouldn't have seen her. She had maybe two people over six foot three coming at her, and yeah. she was triple I just don't think that tough. she, like you said, she didn't, didn't even intend on passing the ball. Yeah. She wanted yeah. that shot, and yeah. rightfully so. She was yeah. the player of the game, player of the tournament for right. them. Uh, so, I mean, it was a crazy game. Shout yeah. out to those girls, and I love their coach. Their yeah. coach had a little uh, mm-hmm. little incident with uh, sticking up her middle finger in the yeah. huddle. Yeah, went in the went in the post game, and she's like, "Yo, I'm not, not apologizing. apologizing. It's nope. what I do." Yeah. And if you play sports, if you've been in a finals, if you've been in a competitive setting, you understand that's all about motivation. Yeah, it's man. nothing malicious. It's nothing disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that even anybody brought that up is kind of like you've probably never played play the sports, game before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because that's just a completely normal part of the game. And mm. and I saw Davis uh, Duncan Robinson's co-host. He's like, "That's." That's a huddle I'd want to be a part of. Of course, that, that gets you going. That gets exactly. you motivated. It's 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 the tournament, man. You you lose, you're out. Like it's it's high stakes, exactly. um, especially when you're a team that everybody counts out and you make it to the finals. So. Exactly. So shout uh, out to them, man. The women's tournament teams. was a heck of a tournament, yeah. and the men's tournament. We watched Gonzaga on uh, Saturday, Sunday night, Saturday, Saturday night. night, Saturday night. Oh, what a baby. shot! What a Suggs. This is why they say tank for Suggs. Hey, eh? this is this is why. Pay for K. Pay for, for K. There's, there's also like a, I don't know what the what the, the the, the, the saying is for Suggs, but they also do say to, to tank for Suggs. Um, Andrew Nemhard, who is a young Canadian talent, uh, I think he's a senior at Gonzaga. Yeah, he was a three-year um, uh, Florida Gators guy. Exactly, Gonzaga. exactly. Uh, playing really important minutes, really impactful minutes for for the for the Bulldogs. So Ooh, that step back that he hit. Yeah. Can we can we play that? We'll play that we step back, that, that little crossover. That came back. Oh, the guy man. was he was off balance. It, it was, was he nice. Got shifted. It he was hit the three. nice. He banged the three. Um, so you know you know obviously rooting for him and and you know I think it's um, Gonzaga Baylor. I believe the finals is. Yeah, one one mistaken. One seed, one seed. Um, Gonzaga is so, gonna. Gets a chance to make history tonight. Undefeated season, man. Undefeated, Undefeated season, season. Perfect season. 
Uh, they had their record last game broken, and we were talking about this off air. But twenty-seven straight games, yeah, winning by double figures. Like, how does it feel to, to never feel pressure? It just dominate, dominate. And Crazy. what's great is about that is that they never felt they never felt pressure throughout the season. And in the moments where they did feel pressure in that in those last final minutes of yeah. the UCLA uh, Bulldog, uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs game, they were able to produce and they were able to come up big. Suggs with a miracle, you know, a miracle shot. You can say it was a. Not a half court heave, but you know, within a few steps of half court, and it, it just, was Steph Curry, and it was and it was a bank shot, like you know. And then he and, stepped up on the on the, on the, score, the table, yeah, the yeah. Table. Uh, let's talk about Drew Timmy for a bit, the the star guy for Gonzaga. I love uh, him. He, he averaging like twenty eight points against the Power Five content. I think that's what the stat they were saying on mm-hmm. on TV. But he's killing it. He had twenty five and and some change. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the fact that every year there's one of these guys that's absolutely cooking college basketball. Yeah. That is probably never going to step on an NBA court. Like, how does that happen? I won't go as far as say as never step on the NBA court, but his game just doesn't look like it translates to the NBA, mainly because of he's an undersized big man. And you and over time, you see the undersized big men don't make it far in the NBA. You see a guy like Tyler Hansborough, who is a college, a UNC legend. legend. Great. Leads, I think leads, or at one point might have led all of college basketball in overall scoring. Um, and you saw his NBA career kind of fizzle out. It's just because it's a different style of game. Luke in, May in, in, from UNC as well. Exactly, a couple years it's, ago. it's a different style. Frank of game. Kaminsky. He's like he's coming into his own now, but he took some time. He took a lot of time. It's it's different game. They run a lot slower. They 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 want to put the ball in the post. They want to take advantage of size advantages. So, you know, he he's been great. You know, I think he was. I saw uh, a post saying he was. I think ranked 46th in his uh, high school class, and now he's the main guy on the best team in college basketball. Um, it's a great story. I, I hope his game transits to the NBA. I think, you know, it's obviously tough, it's I don't, tough. I don't think it will. I, I don't think it will either. I well, hope it does, obviously, he, but he can't jump over a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but some of those guys, they, they make it because they're just so incredibly skilled. But I just think he's too undersized in, in, in a league that is, you know, skill is very important in this league right now, but it's also about athleticism. How high can you jump? How, how, how quick how, can you how move? How quick can you move? Can you stay in front of your man? That's how you get minutes. I think it's gonna be tough for him, um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, it's where just, he gets drafted and where and it's where. It's just interesting. He ends up. Every year, there's always that guy cooking all these like future NBA prospects. Yeah, yeah, and he's older. I, I think he's older. I, I don't want to say he's a freshman. I don't. I don't. Exactly he definitely know. doesn't look like a freshman with that. He stash, looks man. older. That's criminal. And the handlebars. And the handle, it's a, he rocks the yeah. look though. He, uh, he, he, he you can't. He owns it. He owns you can't it. Really rock. He owns it. But let's 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 get into some NBA basketball. Let's get to it. Their Toronto Raptors had an absolute tough month month, month of March mm-hmm. uh, with coming up with only one win. Um, Yikes! I, I believe we're gonna re- maybe we recap the end of March. So, you know, a Do loss. We have to. We have to. We have to. A loss to the Suns, March twenty sixth. A loss to the Blazers, March twenty eighth. In Norman Powell's return game, uh, if that's what you want to call it. Loss to the Pistons on March 29th. Loss to the Thunder. On March 31st, which was a big surprise for me. And then finally, a, a blowout win versus the Warriors. Lost to the Thunder without Lou Dor or Shea Gilgis. Which we'll get into. And then a, a blowout win against the Warriors by 55 or however many it was. Um, it's been a very tough month for the Raptors. And you have to take a lot into account when you talk about that month of March. And you talk about losing guys to COVID protocols. You talk about not having your main guys there to play. Um, now, when you when you bring back your, your main guys, you lose guys like Bembry and Stanley Johnson due to protocols. So there's guys in and out of the lineup constantly. There's no fluidity of the team. There's no continu- continuity on the team. Obviously, you ship Norm. You bring in Gary Trent Jr., who you have to get him accustomed to playing Raptors basketball. It's a tough season, man. It's, it's a very tough season. And the Raptors just... D- they don't look like they've been able to play together and work together. And you see that a lot of times on the defensive end and on the offensive end because you see how much of a disarray it is. They don't look like they're a team. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not coming here and giving them excuses and saying all these things, but when you can't play your main guys' minutes together in games consistently, you're not going to be successful. It comes down to that. Um, if there's a, Obviously, the big man... Position the center position remains an issue for the Raptors. The buyout market wasn't wasn't nice to the Raptors. Obviously, we'll get into that later as well. Um, Chris Boucher is kind of up and down at times. He he'll, he'll have a great game one game, and then the next game he'll you know fade a little bit and won't be. He's in his mid season lulls. Yeah, he's he, he's kind of up and down. 
Uh, Baines is Baines. We don't even want to get into that, really. Uh, there's no, there's no. I mean, if you don't got nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. You know, so we will. We'll, we'll but blow that's by the whole that point one. of podcasting. It is, but but um, <laughs> but you know, the the big man position is is a very important position for the Raptors and in the league, and I think we're seeing that this year because the Raptors can't defend, they can't rim protect, they foul a lot, they 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 have no inside presence other than Pascal really, who is aggressive on the inside. So for the Raptors, it's been a nightmare of a matchup inside, and it's been off for them having no inside presence and going small ball five or Pascal to small ball five. Um, you know, it's it's been a really big struggle for them this season, and especially during that month of March. The game against the Warriors that was a nice game. It was kind of like one of those games where you blow off steam. You really you put all you're all into a game, and you end up slapping a team. But at the same time, I don't want. I, I wouldn't get too high on that win because you're going up against a team that you should slap. And the night before or two nights before, you went up against a team that you should have slapped and you didn't. So I wouldn't get too high on that win. It was a great win. It's a great confidence booster. Fred Van Vliet gets injured that game. So nothing goes right for the Raptors at any point. Like There always has to be something small to take over their joy. Um, but it's been a tough season, uh, to say I the think, least. I think by this point... We have a big enough sample size to understand Pascal Siakam hoodwinked the Raptors to an extent. Should we give? Should we have given him the max at the time we gave him the max? Yes. I'm not saying no. Yeah. I yeah. think that's it's right. fair. You grow the guy. You develop the guy. He shows really good signs. At the time, I think anybody would have given him the contract. You sign him. You lock him in. Whatever. They took the gamble. They signed him the year before, which could be a gamble. Uh, could pan out positively yeah. or could not work out. Unfortunately, with COVID bubble, all the shenanigans that happened over the last year, mm. we haven't really seen a consistent Siakam. Actually, we've seen a pretty bad Siakam, to call it what it is. But by this point in the season, I think the kind of player... He, like, somebody asked a question, and I didn't know how to answer it. And it was, what does <laughs> Siakam do on the court? What is one single thing that he is great at? Mm-hmm. And... I don't know because his mid-range game is decent. Mm-hmm. His three-point game is sub-average this year. Yeah. His finishing around the rim has been pretty bad this year statistically. You can search it up. It's it's bad. Um, his defense has been somewhat whatever. I mean, the, the team defense has been bad. Yeah. Uh, but you can't really blame him. He's a pretty good defender, but you can't assess his defense. So I was like, I don't, I don't really know what he does that's great on the court because – He's taken a step back in a lot of facets of his game. Mm-hmm. He made his name being a corner three-point shooter. Yeah. And then he went and he became an all-around three-point shooter. And then now he doesn't shoot. He, he can't. I don't have his percentage. I think you have it in front of you. But over the last few games, I mean, the last game he had a very good game. I mean, uh, he, that's, he yeah. dropped 36, but that's an but outlier. On, if we're talking season, I think he's not doing We're going to talk about the season. Uh, he's shooting 30% from three. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's not good at all for your for your max player to be shooting thirty percent from three, it's not good. Yeah, uh, his finishing around the rim, like I said, is not the greatest. Um, so he's he's not efficient. He tries to do I think too much, and I feel I feel as though maybe because they gave him that max, they're trying to get a lot out of him, but that's just not the player that he is. And I feel like now we're just pounding him the ball, giving him the ball, and I I just don't know if he's that guy. But you have to. It's tough. It's tough. It's still the the problem with that is you 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 talk about how great or what he's really really good at compared to other stars in the league and other max guys in the league. He is he's still pretty raw. He still has a lot to develop. He still has a lot that he can develop. To say that he's been absolutely bad this season, I think is a bit of a stretch, and I think it's very easy to overlook his good games because even the games that he have he has that are good are quiet good games, and by that I mean. The problem with those games is that he doesn't assert himself enough into the game where he's like, oh, Pascal is dominating. Like he's had, he had 36 points against Golden State. Fine. That's a that's season a, high. That's a season high, but that's a whatever game. You're facing against D League guys. Literally. He's had no, tw- no Draymond Green, no Steph Curry. He's had, within the last 10 games, he's had 26. He's had 26. He's had 27. He's had 27. So he's had good scoring, scoring outputs. Are those but- efficient, though? Not all have been efficient, and that's where the issue comes in, where he can improve. You're talking about 40% shooting. You got 50% shooting here. You got 47 and 50% shooting. So it hasn't always been efficient. Sometimes it has been efficient, but there's no consistency to that level of game. We said, okay, 
we also said that he was a great facilitator. He became a great facilitator when he realized that his offense and his, his shooting wasn't doing well. That also has been up and down. He's only had seven, uh, where is it? So it's five assists, four assists, five assists, two assists, six, six, three, two, nine. So it's been maybe 10 games since the last time he's had a high um, single-digit assist game. So when you really look at it, he still has a lot to develop, and Raptors fans are putting a lot of pressure onto him because he's got that max deal and he has to deliver now. But when you look at them, it's a five-year five-year deal, five yeah, four so. four or five-year deal. Give him a year. Like, the last two years haven't been normal. You know, when he signed that deal, you had that. COVID yeah, but they season. haven't been normal for anybody. Right, but it's still it's still mentally he's got to get stronger. He still has to work on a lot of things. So, to to you know, we expect a lot of out of him, a lot out of him, and he deserves the expectation. Do not get me wrong, but he still has a lot of room to grow. He still has a lot of things that he can do to really improve his game. Hopefully this season they'll have a legitimate summer and they'll have a legitimate summer to go in back in the lab and develop his shot, develop his mid-range, mm-hmm. develop his three-point um, shooting back and be able to shoot corner threes again. Um, but for now, it's like this season, you have to look at it as a development season. You know, like what happens when, you know, you, you, you an intern comes in and works for you. You got to develop them. You got to teach them. You got to show them the ropes. Obviously, he's not an intern on getting paid intern numbers, but this is still his maybe first full season, first regular season as the main guy. And even then, it's a weird season. So, you gotta give him some time. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta kind of, you know, push the brakes on him a little bit. Keep that pressure and keep that expectation on him. But if he doesn't deliver, it's all reps. He's still getting reps. OG, he's still getting reps. Freddie, he's still getting reps. So, and the team is gonna change next year, a lot. You're not gonna. You're probably not going to bring back Kyle Lowry next year. So that opens the door for a lot more offensive dominance, a lot more offensive responsibility. So it'll be it'll be an interesting season next year to see how those three core guys come back, and obviously Gary Trent Jr., who's who's been balling since he's been here. Um, it, it, it's going to be a tough season. It's mm-hmm. been a tough season. Relax. It's it, it's hopefully it's going to get better, and you gotta you gotta be patient with that. It's the first year of a max deal. You've got four more years. Let's move on from Pascal because mm. I want to I want to shed light on Gary, a very very bright spot in Gary Love Trent Jr. Gary. Before we get into his performance in the week, I just want to say to every Raptors fan out there that saw this trade, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna say there's a guy on a group that I'm in that said that we traded Norm for door greeters at Walmart is what he said. Who said that? Some guy named I don't even want to say his name, but some guy from Hoops Rant. Oh, from Hoops Rant. Okay, okay, okay. So oh, much for. So much for the door greeter, door greeters, buddy. So much for the door greeters. Okay, so he's won our fantasy group chat. Uh, they Over. were a little bit upset about yeah. that. Yeah, people telling, oh, they should have given a pick with Gary. Oh, okay, all right. So in the last three games this week, mm-hmm. Gary Trent is averaging twenty three point three points a game. Yeah, he's shooting fifty five percent from three mm-hmm. on fifteen made threes. He's balling. Balling. He's balling and he's efficient. And on top of that, he's playing exceptional defense. Yep. He's brand new to the team, still fitting in. And on top of all this, he's made friends with OG. Apparently, yeah, the apparently they have a very budding, very nicely budding relationship. And yeah. OG's just re-up for four years. He's going to want his buddy to stick around. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm loving what I'm seeing from Gary Trent Jr. I love mm-hmm. the energy. Um, but there's a lot of concern around him in the summer because they're saying, well, what if we, you know, the issue is if we pay him over, we're going to pay Norm, then what's, where, where do we go from there? So he declined a four-year, $53 million deal uh, in an extension. They wanted with, to extend. With Portland, yeah. They wanted to extend. He said, no, I'm going to hold off and sign in the summer. That is about $13 million a year. So yeah. let's assume the reason why he didn't extend is because he wanted to get more money. Mm-hmm. We were saying here, I think, the way Norm's played this season, twenty twenty five apparently. Okay, that that's that's a, that's, that's external valuation. That's what external valuation. Maybe, but I think more realistically, eighteen to twenty. Yeah, I don't think Gary Trent Jr. is going to get eighteen to twenty, nope. given the list of free agents that we've already gone through mm-hmm. uh, previously on the show. So, why are people so concerned? He, I personally think that he declined the extension because Portland has Dame. They have CJ on long term deals. Dame is going to be a lifer. Yep. And those guys are your all-stars, your stars, your superstar, right? And then you got Melo, then you got Nurk, then you got Cantor. You know, very ball-dominant, very ball-heavy team. Mm-hmm. 
And then you have this young guy who's, you know, in whenever CJ gets hurt, he's a star. Yeah. Whenever CJ's there, he's a mere bench player. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy. He wants to get paid. Sure. But I personally think that a big reason why he didn't extend, and I have no proof of this. This is just, you know. Your opinion. My gut feeling, my opinion. So I personally think that he wanted to be in a different position. He wanted to be not behind these guys. I think he believes in himself and his ability Mm -hmm. because I think he can start for this team. The same way Norm started for this team, Gary can start for this team. He's been. He's a great defender. Mm -hmm. And like I said, he's been shooting lights out from three. He's a young guy, just turned 22. I'm I'm very happy, man. And I just want to say, like, Masai and Bobby do not get fleeced. So That's people really out there, like, relax. Gary Trent Jr. is a great player. Norm mm-hmm. is a nice player, but he's Norm. And we've seen Norm for seven years. Yeah. I don't think he's going to get much better than this. So relax. Take a deep breath. Gary Trent Jr. is here. Hopefully he's here to stay. And he's playing well, man. You got you to gotta watch it and be thankful. He had a franchise setting plus 54 against that game in, Gold- oh, baby. in, uh, in Golden State or against Golden State. Um, and it's not just only that, like, when you look at the guy you got in return and who you gave up, you got younger, you got cheaper. I, I think Gary Trent is probably going to, if he turned down $13 million a year, I think he's going to end up getting about $15 million a year uh, from the Raptors. I think that's what the price tag is going to be, especially considering the free agents that we've already went through and, and, and decided that these guys are probably going to get paid first before he does. Um, also, the cap is not that, not that high this year, and it probably won't be for next year, so... I don't think we're going to see a lot of outlandish contracts for guys who are maybe still need to prove their their positions in the league and still need to you know really make their mark on the league. So to get a young guy like Gary, and Gary seems chill. Um, you, you talk about his budding friendship with OG. You also talk about uh, you also see the interview with him um, asking Yuta what his name is or how to pronounce his name. Like that's a dude in the locker room that you know is trying to get along with everybody and wants to be a great teammate. I agree on your point that he wanted a bigger role because Toronto's perfect for him because there's still a big role up for grabs. Toronto still doesn't really have that main killer guy that can really, you know, close games, can be the guy they need down the stretch to get a bucket. So, you know, we've tried Pascal. Pascal hasn't really worked out. Fred Van Vliet definitely has that dog that dog in him, that gene, that clutch gene in him and that, that killer instinct in him, that, and he can be that guy. We're getting rid of Lowry next year. So, obviously, once again, the offense opens up a lot more for Gary Trent. The only thing I need that I, I need Gary to work on is contribute in other ways other than scoring. Uh, I know defensively he's pretty sound and he's pretty active. Um, he's starting to rebound better. He's had a few good rebounding games. Um, but create plays as well for your teammates. A lot of times he looks for only his own shot. Um, when you know when he drives in, he doesn't really look to kick. He looks to drive in a pull-up or step back yeah. or whatever it may be. Um, and that'll come as he gets more comfortable with the team. And I also I- want to point out one thing, too, with that is he's coming from a situation, like I said, where once he's getting that ball, he if he gives shoot. it up, he can't. He's yeah, not getting it back. Absolutely, absolutely. You're playing with Dame, CJ, Mello, mm-hmm. Nurk, Cantor, all these guys that once they get the ball, it's not coming back. And, and that's why I think he was a great fit here because he's played behind guys who are superstars and are ball dominant. So even if the Raptors, Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, Pascal want to be ball dominant, he knows that when he gets his gets the ball he's going to make the most of it he's going to be efficient with it and he's been playing well and you see it in his game and this like like you you just watch him play you know he can ball and you know he can play and you know it was it was a great trade by 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 front office and you know it was very very sad to see norm go obviously and that was a tougher one to to that honestly i i might be outlandish here but seeing norm go was a bit tougher than seeing demar Derozan go and for me, at the very least, and that was because DeMar's trade kind of got overshadowed by who the Raptors got in return. You're like, yeah, yeah, we gave up DeMar, but we got Kawhi Leonard in return. That's we got exactly a, how I feel about top, this trade. We got a top five guy in this, in this trade in the league. Top five in the league. Maybe top, arguably top but five. at the time, he hadn't played in a year. But you still, you don't lose your game like that you know what i mean so for I, me I shed for me personally for me personally it was norm was tougher because norm obviously demar grew up with the raptors norm grew up with the raptors norm was a big contributor to a championship team and the guys we got in return they weren't superstars gary Trent has turned into a great player but it was like it was just so hard to see norm in a portland jersey it was it, 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 he was especially because he had such a great breakout season this year it was like you had high hopes for norm so that's me personally 
probably a hot take or outlandish take, but it, it's it, not. It, a, I want to say it, outlandish. It, it but was. It was tough to see, I, and then it, it was tough to read his yeah. Player Tribune article. I, I shed a tear. It when, was tough, man. It I shed was a tear tough. when Demar got traded. I didn't shed a tear when Norm got traded. And really, it's eh? not nothing against Norm, yeah. but. We had all year to prepare for this. We knew he we was going to go. Did. Yeah. I knew he was out the door three weeks prior to him getting out the door. And I, yeah. you just have that feeling. So I started to make that distinction early. Um, so fortunately, I didn't. But when I, I was so caught off guard with the DeMar thing. And yeah, and it, that one was just rough. But again, the return was the great. Return and was and nice. I think this time around, the return is still good. Also is good. Uh, Rodney Hood, we're not even talking about because he got hurt. He got hurt. <laughs> yep. Uh, so... Let's talk about Norm's letter to Toronto. Beautiful letter, man. He he. So it, this is aside from the caption he put up on Instagram. This is uh, the tr- Players Tribune article that he yeah. put up. So uh, I'll I'll throw it over to you. I don't know if there's anything you want to talk about specifically. Any parts you want to break down? How did you How did you think of this? Like, did yeah. you like it? Did you it enjoy was, the read? It, it was tough to read it and not get choked up because he was very candid in his emotions about being traded. He mentions he started crying and you, that story with him is seeing Jama. Um, you don't know you didn't know about that relationship with him and Jama beforehand. And then obviously, um, Fred Van Vliet comes in. He's like, "Yo, you was you was crying? He was crying. The like, thugs cried too, and all that." So best response ever. Yeah, like it, so it just showed you know like the personal connection he had with the team. And I, for for me, most of all is like as a Raptor fan, you love it when a player loves to be in Toronto because a player you can't ask for more never loves to be in Toronto, right? And you know, um, you you see the interviews of the Norm, how Norm speaks about Toronto. It's like he loves the vibe. He loves being in the city. Obviously, as a mid twenty year old man playing for the Raptors, being a millionaire in Toronto, you're gonna live a ridiculously dope life. Um, but what was really cool to me, my favorite part of the story probably was when he talks about his um, pre draft workout and how he was driving from uh, he got picked up from the airport to the hotel and he was just looking around and and he's like I have to be here. It's like, this is where I'm going to play. He had that feeling that this is where he was going to play, and he had to play for the city. And, like, that is, like, whether it's true or not, we can, I'm going to assume it's true. Like, that is just, like, an eerie thing. Like, it ended up happening. He ended up becoming, you know, a great player here, a championship. Winning a chip. He, he, he win the chip here, right? And now he's a co- – it was a highly coveted player on, on, on traded line. So, for me, it was just that story of him before the pre-draft workout, killing that workout, and just his – his feeling when he got to the city and how he really wanted to play here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was tough. I started to get choked up when he talked about um, uh, who was a Jamma when yeah, he came across Jamma, Jamma yeah, and, and yeah. he started to cry as well. My favorite thing in this whole thing was the Demar piece mm-hmm. um, because you forget. Yes, you know, like we know Demar, mm-hmm. but we forget Demar the ledge. and like when you think about the guys that we have right now, and then you hear them talking about how Demar was there. That you forget the impact, the yeah. long-lasting impact that the Mars had on these guys, on this franchise, on this team. So I love that part because it reminded you of who Demar was, right? Who he was to these guys, his mm-hmm. role on the franchise, on the team, picking these guys up. And I just always sit back and imagine, like, imagine being Kyle and Demar, and you're now watching these kids grow, yeah, grow. grow like man. Fred's a dad of two, just secured the bag. Yeah, Norm's about to secure the bag. Pascal secured the bag. OG, OG secured the bag. Yeah. So it, it's got to feel great, man, and it's got to. It's a testament to your leadership skills, and I think mm-hmm. that that is something that, like, right now, Kyle Lowry gets goaded as a leader in mm-hmm. the league, and I don't think that Demar gets enough credit at all yeah. as a leader yeah. type of player. Yeah. You never hear about Demar's leadership skills, about his personality, and nobody like. Even his teammates in San Antonio now openly defend him. Dejounte Murray, a lot of young guys there, a lot of young guys there, openly defending him. So it happens, and I think that that is like when I was reading that, it just brought me back to a place of like, man, like Demar was the guy. He was Toronto, Mm -hmm. and everything that we do now as a team is a reflection of what he instilled in these guys. So it was it was cool to see. Um, even like a few years down the road, they're still still got a good relationship. But yeah. it was uh, it was Cali good. guys, Cali guys. You, you like he, he was in awe that they were teammates. It was, yeah, exactly. It's, it's cool, and that was cool too. To, to, I didn't know that he thought of him as like an idol. They, but he's an idol in Cali, and they're they're, they're all like know, we want to be like Demar DeRozan. Like yeah, that yo, and it's crazy. Like that, bro. Yo, when you think of like these guys to the NBA, 
Demar's not a superstar, but when you think of Demar to the community, oh, super, 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 super duper yeah, star. Yeah, you know, legit. you know when I learned that, I heard a Udonis Haslam interview. Yeah, and he's like, when I go home, I'm a king. That's For U- sure, that's Udonis Haslam. Yeah. Udonis hasn't played a game in like ten years. <laughs> so absolutely, yeah. Demar yeah. Derozan is going to be a king back home. So um, another part I liked was him acknowledging the fact that he was picked up because of his skills kind of like a little bit of like it felt good to be acknowledged yeah for my skills because i do think that he deserves that credit absolutely uh, and i think he can contribute to that team he had mm-hmm. a 20 point game in his first game out um he's he's not i want to say struggled because he's going to get a lot less opportunity now yeah uh, but he's been i mean he's been good for decent. them and in his return mid, game mid, he played mid-teens. well he played he played well in his return game to to, to toronto or to mm-hmm. tampa um, he stared down the bench, that which was which was hilarious. I thought it was funny. I don't know if it was Fred serious. was like, "Hey man, stop looking at me. You, I didn't bro. trade you." <laughs> um, but if you haven't if you haven't read the article, Player Tribune, um, I, I don't know what the letter is called, um, but it's a great article. Read it. Uh, it it's a it's a great way to you know go back into history, Toronto Raptor history too. So um, Norm Powell, this is probably the last time I think we're going to mention Norm Powell as a Raptor. Um, but thank you for your your time here. Obviously. I, I Yo, like. I, I, like I loved his Osmos thing. The his Os- little chat that they posted. Oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I got the, something to tell you. At the end, at the end of the of the article, he says, uh, "I hope when they talk about Raptors basketball, obviously you have Kyle, you have Demar. I hope they say Norm. Yeah, that man was tough. And honestly, like Norm is is, is a huge piece. I think of Raptors history and Storm and Norman. That that toughness, that grit." That understand the grind that that's never going to be forgotten. Yeah. I'll, you know? I'll read the excerpt right now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I hope y'all talk first about Kyle and Damar and Fred and Kawhi and Pascal and OG and so many others. I hope y'all talk about them until you, until you run out of voice. But then at some point, just before the end of that conversation, I guess I like to think about someone chiming in, maybe like, yo, also, shout out to Norm. Dude worked his butt off, but he used the A word. <laughs> Had nothing handed to him, but he was a grinder. Yeah. He was tough. And he loved being a Raptor. Norman Powell, man. Shout out to Norm. He was one of us. Shout out to Norm. Yeah. Hopefully we can run into Norm in like Toronto someday and just like, hopefully we can get Norm Norm on on the the show. show. That would be be fantastic. That'd be huge. Storm and Norman, it would be an absolute honor, my friend, to have you on the show. But shout out to Norm. Good luck in Portland. And we don't care about Portland anymore. Let's, yeah, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, yo, honestly, before we move on from Portland, I want to say one thing. Like, I hate this whole joint fan fanhood. I don't like it either. Fan yeah, yeah. base thing. Oh, we're one. No, no. they're better than us, bro. <laughs> it's not going to be we're one when they're in the freaking playoffs and we're not. What is this soft? If, let's merge logos and let's put jerseys. Twi- in. There's Twitter accounts Come together. On, man. If you want to be a Norm fan, I have no problem with that, but. If you're a Raptor fan, you're not going to be a Portland Trailblazers Stop, fan as well. Stop, guys. Stick let's the unite. Let's it. have some. No. Let's have some dignity. Let's unite, man. Yeah. What the heck? They're they're doing way better than us. They're like ten games above five hundred. What's very interesting before we move on from Raptors basketball is um, the Raptors have a positive net rating, which means they've isn't that like historic? It's 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 historically backwards. They they've <laughs> they've scored more points than they've allowed by I think it's point zero five now or whatever it may be. Um, but they have a losing record. The Blazers have a negative net rating, but they have a winning record. So that really goes to, sh- just to sum up the Raptors season this season, how backwards it's been. What did you send me? It was like the Raptors record is like 19 and 30, but their projected record based on their plus minus should be 24 and 24. Based on the plus minus, it should be 24 and 24. That's a five-game discrepancy. But what does that tell you? It tells you... Two things, in my opinion. And and if we're going to weigh these things, I think it's an 80%, 20%. 20% goes to Golden State, the game that they won yeah, by 57. Absolutely. Because that's going to skew the, the standings. Right. But I think 80% of the reason is we're just losing close games. We're losing games that come down to the wire. Think about how many times you've seen Pascal miss at the rim, how many times they fake a run and end up losing by three when they should have <laughs> lost by 20. Um, so I think that that is the reason why. I don't think it tells much of the story because we watch every single game. Yeah, we yeah. don't miss these games. Yeah. To somebody who misses these games, like, oh, wow, maybe they're, they're just right there. But no. no. No, they're not there as much as they seem to be on paper. And maybe, I mean, with the rest of the season, it's going to even out. Uh, but I don't know. Who's, who knows? But they're definitely not. It's not like they're fighting hard every game. And no, no, no. Some games, they're just making a, a dumb run with like three minutes left, which they always do. Mm-hmm. And it's like they bring it down from twenty to six, and okay, now we lost. To game. to cap it all off, six and eighteen, um, in games decided by nine points or fewer. So it's twenty four of their games. It's a tough. It's a tough record. 
to have it's it, you can attribute a lot of it to fatigue um, if you want to go that route. Um, but they just haven't been able to close out a lot of these close games. Um, they're sitting 11th in the standings right now. They can make a last, you know, second or last season. Um, Is it play worth in, it though? Playing, I, I personally listen. We've got five games in six nights this week. We've got eight games in 12 nights over the next 12 nights. It's going to be a very, very tough stretch of basketball. It's going to be very, very tough to pull it off. I think we have the seventh hardest schedule, or uh, there might be another teams, but we have a very hard schedule coming up. So at this point, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going to be mad if they don't make the playoffs. It just, I, it, I'm it, just all the, saying like Jalen Suggs after he hit that <laughs> shot. I was like, hey, hey, but, you it's know, it's not the worst we thing could, to lose. The Raptors could use a break, honestly. The Raptors could use a great draft pick and you know, reset next season in Toronto. It's, 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 this is the forgotten season. It might as well but be a they, playoff okay. case. Let, let me let me ask you this. If they get crazy lottery pick, they get crazy luck, they end up across a pick where they can land either Cade Cunningham yeah. or Jalen Suggs. Right. Do they re-up Gary Trent? It depends. Yeah. I, I think they do re-up. And when was the last time the Raptors threw a rookie into the rotation. Exactly. So that's why I think they do re-up Gary Trent because he's already proven that he can ball and play in the league. Which I th- I honestly think that, like, I get the whole Raptors development thing, but I, I don't think that every single player needs development. Like, some guys develop different. Some guys develop mm-hmm. in a game. Mm-hmm. So, like, this Malachi Flynn thing, like, I don't know too much because I, I don't see Malachi Flynn behind closed doors. But, like, he went from nothing to pretty much being a backup guard now, and we're seeing him gradually get more get comfortable better, yeah. so it's like why where was this in the beginning of the season i get it i mean not lowry's hurt but like fred was out for a little bit mm. right so it's a little bit confusing and i think that there should be you know it'll be weird it'll be weird and and it'll be an overkill because you have og as the wing you have um no but Gary I mean, even, as the even, winger, even if you wing-ish. do get a great pick you can use it as a trading asset you never know what you can do with that pick so yeah even if you do fall out of the, the playoff contention you don't make playoffs you end up with a good lottery pick it's honestly not the end of the world. This season is a wash in general. I want all Tampa Bay logos to be recalled by the Raptors because this is going to be a forgotten season. It's yeah. not you're no one. You know, like when your favorite player becomes like a twelve year vet and he's no longer that guy. Like he's like T Mac when he was on Atlanta. You forget about those years. You don't want to think about those years. That's what this year is like. You yeah. don't want to f- think about that. year. Speaking so. of vets that are in their uh, forget about me years, Lamarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin have. Oof. Made their debuts for the Brooklyn Nets. Sorry, boys, for the segue. That was just it was, no, it was right there. It was it was right there. Lamarcus Aldridge, man. Um, let's just call it what it is. These guys are dogging it to get out of situations. Maybe but not, they have not maybe lost not, skills. Maybe not L.A. Lamarcus Aldridge almost put up a triple double in his first game with the Nets. I don't think he dogged it. He didn't dog it to the extent to the extent that Blake did. Blake dogged okay, it. You know what? That's you know, true because that, San Antonio was like, "Yo, you suck. Sit down." Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, and, 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 and there that. was and there wasn't there was friction there. They, were, they didn't agree on everything, um, but like you said, there's guys essentially dogging on the bench to to get the f- a favorable outcome for themselves. And there's been a lot of um, backlash over the buyout market by league executives because it does favor small market guys, right? Yeah, the, by small the, market teams, the, it, it favors the big market teams and it favors the contenders. It's basically the rich getting richer. They're like you. You can't at this point in the season. You just can't be able to add without giving anything up exactly and you're Which adding is a fact and man. you're adding either a former superstar a guy who knows how to play even if you guy even if you add a veteran player who's been a superstar and is no longer a superstar they can still contribute in small minutes and short bursts off the bench and they still have got got that iq to be able to play Bro, just think game. about it this way like typically if you're if you're a typically built team your sixth option is or seventh option is gonna be a guy that's like decent yeah. Now you have a Blake. former many-time all-star. So a guy with proven basketball IQ, pr- mm. proven former skill set. We're not asking you, Blake, to go and get 30. But the fact that you are filling that role is such an advantage. Yeah. And then you add on all these guys, it's like like it's he's really making it hard to root for him, this Kevin Durant guy. Like, yeah, yeah. He know, really man. makes it hard for I like, know. And I, I know I'm I know, Kevin. I'm not an NBA player. I don't play on the court, but bro, like you, you can have do to it. Feel something. You have to feel something. Like every time these guys sign, like there's no feeling. He's like, oh man, like why? Like we don't need this. We don't need this guy. Why are we going after the? Uh, uh, Yo, uh, they're twenty eight and six with James Harden in the lineup, and Kevin Durant's missed a lot of those games. They they played like seven games together or something wild like I that. Think was, uh, I think it might, if my math is right, it should be three games. 
That's it? Because I think he played 19 games, Kevin Durant, and they're 8-8 eight and eight with them, both of them in the lineup. But I they're, could be wrong. But they've, they've played uh, a small amount of games that the big three have played together. And there, there's, this, this, is, this is twofold. It's, it's, at this point, you don't care about competitiveness. You, don't, you, like, you have no dignity at this point, especially a guy like, like Kevin Durant. Like Kevin Durant, you can go out there and dominate and score 30 a game. Which and he win. was averaging before he can, went out. You can yeah. still win a championship that way. You don't have to load up your roster. And I know Kevin is not the one loading up the roster, but Kevin can also, Kevin can also say, nah. I don't want to bring in Blake. I don't want to bring in LaMarcus Aldridge. We can win without them. So you you remove the competitive aspect out of it. And, and the then, thing is, like, nobody said anything. Like, after the Harden thing, whatever. Like, people fine. still were upset, but whatever. And then you add Blake, and then you add LA, and then they're all, oh, well, everyone told us we sucked for the last two years. Blake, that's because you literally faked it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. literally acted like hilarious. he sucked. Yeah, he literally did not want to play basketball. Yeah, and yeah. then you come out in the two dunks in your first two games. You haven't dunked all season? For two years, bro. Like, two years. Come on, bro. Oh, I still got it. We know you do. <laughs> You've been hiding it. Uh, also, Andre Drummond goes to the Lakers. Uh, he decided not to. Oh, he say he wanted, shocker there, too. He decided he wanted to play. You know, if, I'm, I'm not sure if he would have played much on the Brooklyn Nets since they're already stacked. I'm sure he would have, though. Um, but that's another, that's another example of I would have converted rich. this whole podcast to a different sport if he went to Brooklyn. Yeah, (laughs) but it's another case of rich getting richer and i do think the league needs to come down and do something about the buyer market and do something about contending teams being able to go out and get these stars either limit it on the player end where players can't demand buyouts or have buyouts or star players can't be doing these kinds of faking being bad or whatever or do it on the team end where a team above a certain winning percentage or whatever it may be. I don't know, whatever. But do it where you limit teams or adding these guys. if you want to settle for a buyout, okay, you cannot sign to a team until this next year. Yeah, or that. Exactly. Exactly. Like, what is this nonsense, bro? Like three yeah. weeks before the playoffs, you pick up two former like Stars. time all-stars. Like, like, what's 40, going on There's here? 42 all-star appearances between all those guys on the Brooklyn Nets, it's which just, is a wild number. And then like the Lakers pick up. Drummond, but like, what are you gonna do when these guys are picking up everybody yeah. and their mothers, and yeah. the Lakers are missing everyone? It was just—it's it, a joke. Like, it's clearly a top three, top four team. Even if you look at the Eastern standings, you got Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and who's third? Uh, Philly, and then it's a nine-game difference bef- between the four seed and then four to ten. It's top heavy is man. all like whatever yeah. the middle, the middle of the pack teams. Mm-hmm. It's just—it's—it's it's a little. The, the league's in a weird place right now. Like, it's weird because. David Stern vetoes trades. Adam Silver just allows anything to happen. So there's got to be David some Stern is a bit different just because they own that. That situation is different because they owned the team. They Fair. owned the, 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 it was the Hornets, the New Orleans Hornets at the time. But. The team has become, uh, sorry, the NBA has become too much of a players' league. Yeah. And this is where becoming a players' league becomes bad. They should, have drawn, they should have drawn the line a few steps ago. Now you have absolute freedom to go anywhere you want, whenever you want. Um, and that's just, it's bad for the product. It's bad for the competitiveness. Yeah. It's bad for the game. Yeah, we're um, we're about one ridiculous trade away from turning this into a disc disc golf uh, podcast. Disc golf. <laughs> we watched yeah, some disc we, golf yeah, tape disc the other golf day. Is, is, is it's no joke. Yo, man. it is it is some serious. It, it's you skill. thought Steph Curry was exciting? Oh, disc golf, Buddy, baby. You haven't seen it. You haven't seen that Search thing. Disc golf. Um, speaking of buyouts, though, Kevin Love did not move. I saw Kevin Love playing. A night or two ago for the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, <laughs> yeah, not the YMCA. I was shocked. Um, like he was on the court. He was on the court. I saw. I saw love. What? And I his, didn't know that. And his salt and pepper gray hair on the court, <laughs> and it was like, whoa, he's playing number one, number two. He wasn't moved, which is very surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I don't. I, I didn't watch that game, but I didn't see. I don't. I want. I, will, I wonder how much he's got left in the tank. It'll be interesting to see how. He oh, plays. yeah, I wonder. He he, he's I, in, he yeah. becomes a fifty-eight percent three-point yeah. shooter. Oh wow, <laughs> Kevin Love's got it back. Incredible, um, incredible. Um, moving over, let's do quickly, very quickly, the Western Conference. I want to, you know, just shed some light on the Denver Nuggets. Four and oh, four, four and zero oh since the trade with Aaron uh, for Aaron Gordon. Sorry. Um, they held the Clippers last night, a second a second ranked offense, by the way, which is actually pretty surprising, um, to 94 points against them. Um, AG had the assignment of guarding Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, when you talk about great players, superstar players, you can't stop them. You can only slow them down, and that's what he did. 
Um, Kawhi shot 10 for 22. Not the best. Not a good uh, at all for 20, Kawhi standards. 24 points. Uh, held up to 24 22 points, sorry. shots for 24 points is exactly what you want from exactly. Kawhi. Exactly. Um, and AG dropped 24 points last night against the Orlando Magic. Uh, six of his 10 buckets were assisted by Jokic. And it... When I you, love that, that one-two punch. That it, they look so scary. And what I love about the Nuggets team is that they're long, they're athletic. And a night where Jamal Murray, let's just say, can't produce or can't uh, shoot effectively, shoot efficiently, or he's getting double teamed, you've got AG who can put up points, who can put up buckets. You've got Jokic who can find the open man. Michael Porter Jr. is there on the wings that can play. So they've got a lot of talent. They're Will a, Barton. They're a huge, huge, huge dark horse, t- dark horse team in the West. I wouldn't be surprised if I see them making the Western Conference Finals again. Uh, it depends how the seedings go. Bro, at this uh, point, with the, with the way the West is looking, like if the Lakers can't get their health together, I think the, the West is wide open. They'll get their health together for the playoffs. Like I'm uh, sure LeBron will. I'm more worried about uh, AD. AD is a big is a big the question heel mark. issue is a is a big question mark. Yeah, and if he can't get that right, it'll be the tough. West is it's open. Wide, wide I don't open. I don't see the Clippers as. As uh, like, oh, they're the you can't beat them. No, no, no. I don't see that at all. Uh, they're very beatable. I think, yeah, I think they're very beatable. I think Phoenix can beat them, and I think, um, assuming health, and I think uh, Denver can beat them yeah. too. Yeah. So hey. it, the Western Conference is looking wide open. Denver. Dallas almost beat them last year. Do not KB. do not sleep on the Nuggets. They got a lot better, a lot bigger, a lot faster. A we lot talked stronger. about how much they missed that guy, Jeremy Grant. And, they get and AG, I think they got a big upgrade a there. Better, uh, way better. I mean, huge. Jeremy upgrade. Grant is a great player in a crappy situation or a crappy team. He can really be that guy inefficiently yeah, too. But in that team uh, setting, in that team setting, I think AG does more for that team than Jeremy Grant does. Uh, despite Jeremy Grant having you know great years in, in uh, for the Nuggets. Um, that last being thing, said, last thing we want to talk Pel- about Pelican. The New Orleans Pelicans currently sitting 11th in the West. They could make a last push for the playing games mm-hmm. uh, and the playoffs uh, eventually. Um, just when you thought they were turning the corner, they won four or five the week before. They lose Zion. They lose BI to injuries. Uh, very tough. Obviously, they lose JJ Redick to trade. Um, those first two games with their stars, they totaled 40 turnovers. Um, so you can see how heavily they rely on Zion and BI. Lonzo, though. Whenever Lonzo does something good, I will always come on here and give him some praise. Yeah, he deserves it, man. He had a career high eight three point eight three point shots made um, last night, and he he dropped twenty seven, shooting eight from fifteen uh, from three, nine assists, three steals, and a huge win over the Houston Rockets. Um, despite Houston being a bad team, it's still a, a huge room for the Pelicans and their yeah. playoff push. Um, I think he gets too much heat because his brothers performing really well and then you automatically just compare him and, and, but he's having a great season so gets too much he's, heat he's a since, transformed since shooter transformed shooter he gets too much heat since he this, the day he stepped foot in the league um i saw a report pelicans did offer the golden state warriors uh zo for kelly Oubre jr uh straight up and the warriors obviously declined um stupid once again i don't see this there's no way that was it it had to know. be someone and, else that's the one like Clay Thompson too. <laughs> something something um, ridiculous. But like that. I, I, I don't see this reputation that he's built to be a tradable player. I think he's a very great point guard, uh, very good starting point guard. I can see why they might want to trade him though because of uh, Nikhil. They just don't need him. Nikhil they, they, is also playing they, very Nikhil well. Nikhil is playing very well. Who's playing? He, We're from Toronto. Come on five. here. Um, uh, Nikhil was playing well in Lonzo's seven game absence before his, um, you know, essentially, I guess, um, one of his career nights last night. Um, so I can see why they want to move him. He could be a great asset, but Lonzo Ball, keep doing it. 27, 9, and 3 that last game. Um, I want to pose this question to you. I think I've posed it before. I'll pose it again now that we're further into the season. Do you think the Pelicans have underachieved given the talent on the roster? Uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, because. They're sitting 11th, but it is the West. Uh, they have won five of their last eight games, and obviously they were they actually had won four or five games before the, right. those two guys yep. got hurt. Yep. So they were starting to pick things back up. They do have a brand-new team, a lot of young guys who are still coming into their own. I don't want to say brand-new, but they do have a lot of young guys still mm-hmm. figuring it out. And then you got to put Bledsoe in the system. You lose Drew Holiday. Right. Uh, and then on top of that, the coaching decision, which none of us thought was good decision, the right decision. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that's you know, the greatest, but – what I do notice on a nightly basis is Zion and Ingram are producing together. I think they just need to get better defensively as a unit because they yeah. can't really stop many people. Yeah, and that's uh, that's sort of where they 
where they are right now. But I think that they're going to be fine. They just need to make a couple moves, and they have a very good nucleus. And I don't, I'm not surprised that they're looking to get rid of Alonso. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to get, I think, solid assets for him in return. Mm-hmm. Tough week for them, though, as they make their push. They go out. They've got Atlanta, Brooklyn, Philly, and then Cleveland to end it all off. Gonna, so it's going to be a very telling week for them. Um, and a very tough week for them. Yeah. Quick, one of, before one we of the it, last things, I think we both want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, Drew Holiday signs for a four-year 160 max extension, mm-hmm. I believe it is. 40 a year a at lot 30 of, years old. A, a lot of talk around this. Is is Drew worth it? Uh, he's 30 years old. So he's I think he's worth 34. It. I think he's absolutely worth it for the Milwaukee Bucks, given that, that they traded away some really good young talent for him. Um, they have they a don't, window, man. They're they just do, chasing it. They have a window. They've got three guys on a max deal, three pretty good core guys that they could maybe win a chip at some point if they make the right yeah. moves. It's worth the investment. He is worth that much to the Milwaukee Bucks, just like Kyle Lowry is worth $30 million a year to the Raptors. To another team, he might not be worth $30 million a year. So you got to look at it. You can't Sometimes these decisions, you can't look at them as how much is he really worth on the market to other teams. You have to see what he does for that team and how much he's worth for that team. And $40 million a year max deal, um, I think for the Bucks, it's a no-brainer. You have to invest in him. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple quick hitters before we end it. KD got fined $50,000 for an incident with Mike Rappaport. Hilarious. Uh, Rappaport's a punk. He leaked the DMs. Yeah. Uh, they were very inappropriate, of course, but of course. they were private conversations. Do I think he should have been fined by the NBA? Absolutely not. Do I think Rappaport's a punk? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Shout out to Barstool. Shout out to Davey. Page views. And the last thing on the menu Hayward out four weeks uh, with a fractured foot. It seems like he, every four weeks we say this. Uh, he can't catch a break. The The Charlotte Hornets can't catch a break because they lost LaMelo Ball yeah. last week. So uh, they're currently in fourth in the East. Hopefully they, stay, they can stick up there and win a couple more games till they get some guys back. But that is all. Uh, I think uh, we're ready. Packed, to, packed episode, packed, packed week. episode, man. Shout out to everybody. Shout yeah. out to Coach Brittany Anderson one more time on being yeah. a national champion. Shout out to Alyssa Jerome. We want to get you on the show. Congratulations, I'm going to annoy you till you come on the show, so we're going to see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know where to find us, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Wherever you go and DM, you can find us. Wherever you go listen to music, you can find us. And we will come out to you next week.